Hi, everyone, and thanks for coming back. Uh, today's episode is on Cherie's favorite Harry Potter film, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. As always, you don't have to watch the movie in order to listen to the episode, um, but I feel like everyone knows what's going on by now. So, <laughs> like, come on. 21 years. The bad guy's Lord Voldemort. Surprise. 21 years. <laughs> right? You have no excuse by now. Darth Vader's Luke's father. Um, <laughs> so, let's just get rolling. I'm your host, Audrey. And I'm your co host, Cherie. So, sit back, relax, and please don't silence your phone while we check your cinematic pulse. summary of this film for those of you who haven't maybe seen it in a while i guess and don't watch it like every other month like me and sheree do actually i've not watched this movie in like two or three years no way no you and i watched it literally um last oh that's right with christmas how awake was i when i was watching i also had covid so that was my surprise it COVID the, where Watch told me I was dying. <laughs> Watch it tell you were dying. That was the background of Chamber of Secrets. Like, me actually watching yeah. it and taking it in, it's been years. Man. It's been years. I did that on purpose, I know, though, because I was getting bored of the films. Even this time of me watching it, I really wasn't, like, I was not fully engrossed. I've been so busy recently that I'm like, I, I need to sit down and have my annual rewatch of them. I was watching... We usually do it around Christmas time. Wes actually... here. Wes requested that we do a Harry Potter marathon, and I'm like, <gasps> "That's adorable, my soulmate." <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think when I watch this, I actually try to pay attention more to production and not the the story that I know by heart at this point. Right? For real though, because I true to form, I reread the book in preparation for this episode, and um, I literally like wrote out all of the plots. Like, all mm-hmm. the plot points, because I wanted to compare it, like, book to movie and see where the differences were. <laughs> um, you know, like a nerd. No, 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 it's fine. I have very innocuous, uh, like, questions to ask you, just for funsies. Oh, no. Yay. Okay. So, um, but I was doing that, and, like, it was all just flooding back to me. Like, and I was comparing it, like, to the movie in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and I can write it from memory by now. This is one of, this is actually the book that I remember best. I, I have not read this book also in, like, 15 years or more. I haven't read any of the books in, like, That's what I need you to do, or... man. I need you to do a Harry Potter reread. That's probably what I should do, but, like, I, I, I remember so much of this story because it was my favorite to read. It's actually the book, anytime I, honestly, until I was about 25 or 26, I traveled with this book anywhere I went. Like, if I went on vacation, the book came with me. It was my, like, safety book. It is, it was also, um, the copy my grandma bought me, so I always took it with me everywhere. Girl, I told you that when I was reading these books, my mom bought me, like, the first two together, and I wrapped them in freaking twine and carried them around like a knapsack. (laughs) I actually found mine. I found my copy, and I, like, checked what the date was on my copy, um, you have the paper copy because you sent me that picture, right? I do. I have I have a paperback copy. Um, so this 
this edition, no, that was the hardcover edition. The paperback edition was printed September of 2000. So this book that I'm holding in my hands is yellowed with age and is mm-hmm. literally 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I would go get my copy, but I don't want to. It's in the other room. It's okay. I got you. Nestled nicely on the time. shelf next to all the other ones. Okay. So a uh, quick summary of this film. Like I said, if you haven't seen it in a minute, um, this is Harry's second year at Hogwarts and Harry finds himself at the center of a decades old unsolved murder, technically. With more people's lives at risk today, Harry finds himself the only person able to stop the tragedies, but the culprit is one that no one expected. I like that summary, except it's far more than a decade. It's like half a century. I said decades. Oh, decades, decades plural, old unsolved plural, murders. Plural, mm-hmm. At the end of there. Sss. 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. There's going to be a lot of that this episode. <laughs> this movie's very quotable. <laughs> It, honestly, as I was watching this, I was like, man, this is the most quotable of all the films. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's iconic. Okay, so um, I can't really do like first impressions. Like we're, we're not going to do, we're going to do like discussion format, kind of like we did for- No, I'm talking um, first impressions. I have a story okay, but I was to gonna tell. Say, we're still going to do first impressions, but like this is going to be more discussion-y, kind of like Sorcerer's Stone um, mm-hmm. than last time. So my first impressions, remember, I- I got into the movies on the third one. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to rack my brains going back and thinking about the second one. But but really, I think that, for me, this was the only movie, like, appropriate for my age group besides Star Wars that had a sequel and was, like, a fantasy movie that existed in the same universe. Does okay. that make sense? Okay, yeah. so, like, yeah, besides, yeah. yeah, Star Wars was the only other movie series that I had watched that had a sequel that was in the same universe and was, like, a, a sci-fi fantasy show movie. Mm-hmm. So, like, this one was, like, completely absorbing. Everything else that I had ever watched, like, even if it was, like, sci-fi fantasy, it was either just a one-off or if it did have a sequel, it was, like, poorly written um and like low budget so mm-hmm. this like for me was i mean like what lord of the rings was to a lot of people it was like high quality production value and a sequel that didn't suck by the way like because so often sequels are just they're they don't hold up to the first one and that was one of the things that people said about this one is that the sequel holds up to the first movie and it just kept the magic going and i remember like watching the second one after having watched the first one and just being fully absorbed into this universe like this this one was what sucked me in i was like well we're we're fans of this series for forever now like no ifs ands or buts about it because and like we bought like the video games my brother for yes. this movie um ran around i kid you not he ran around dressed in um i think like corduroy khakis and a red flannel for like an entire summer <laughs> like a like dressed summer. like harry for the a whole summer. movie i know a summer i kid you not a whole summer. And, like, we all went as Harry Potter characters that year for Halloween. I, like, crimped my hair and went as Hermione. And Will wore his cute little, like, pants and flannel. And was so Harry this Potter. Was, I drew, you said like, a scar on his forehead and eyeliner. <laughs> the third book or the third movie you guys got into it? So, I I mean, I got into Harry Potter on the third one. I was like, okay, these are cool. I want to mm-hmm. read the books now. Having read the book and watching the second movie, I was absorbed. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
it was like, okay, the first one got me into it by the time I, or the, the third one got me into it by the time I read, went back and read one and then read two, I was like, this is a universe that I undoubtedly want to be a part of for forever mm-hmm. because it was absorbing at this point because everything gets so fleshed out in the second one. You know, like she just, there's just so much continuity of universe and I don't, it really, why I, I think, like this breathes is we life spend into so it. so much more time in the universe, whereas the first book, you get half of it as Muggle World and mm-hmm. then the, the rest of it is Harry's first adventure in Hogwarts. But then the yeah. second one, you're only in the Muggle World for a chapter or like two. Like a couple chapters. Mm-hmm. A couple minutes, like 10, 15 minutes in the film. This is the longest movie as well. Really? It's two hours and 40 minutes, which is crazy. Wait, so this is longer than, like, Half-Blood Prince, Deathly Hollows? Half-Blood Prince? No, excuse me. Order the Phoenix, the longest book, is the shortest film. Don't get me started. We'll we'll get there. We'll be in the movie <laughs> <list>. <laughs> So, yeah, <sighs> no. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's awesome. I also remember, too, by the time I was reading these, um... By the time I was reading these, like, I was closer to the age of the characters in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was, like, 11 or something. Okay. And so I really identified with them even more because I felt like I was, like, that little kid, like, waiting for my Hogwarts letter, you know? Right. Which, um, for all you lame millennials out there, um, remember that Voldemort destroyed the Ministry um, back in like ninety three ish. Um, so all of our all of our information was lost. That's why we never got our Hogwarts letters. I will always remember that, <laughs> except for my mom, who I custom made a Hogwarts letter for last year for Christmas. She got hers. I also have a custom made one by one of a very dear friend of mine. Aww. She got me a whole Hogwarts letter and an owl, and I love it so much. That's so cute. And, uh, and my Gryffindor uh, blanket. It was a Christmas gift. She got me uh, like a whole Harry Potter thing Christmas gift one year. It was amazing. I need a Harry Potter tattoo. I don't know how I don't have a Harry Potter tattoo yet. My sister has one. She has like the Hogwarts castle silhouette. Um, I do not have one yet. I have a Star I Wars wanna, tattoo. I want to get Lumos tattooed someday. Oh, I had my first year of college. I found ring when I discovered Etsy. That was the end of my wallet for a while. Um, <laughs> Wasn't it for all of us? Oh my gosh, Etsy. So I found these rings. Um, they're they're just like little tin rings, but they had Lumos and Knox carved into them. I had and one for that like had the Lumos longest time, it. I wore one on like each hand. Uh, I think if you, like, scroll back far enough on my Instagram, you can probably find them. Because I have, like, a lame photo of, like, me with my fists together so you can Mm -hmm. see both rings. (laughs) I love you. You're such a nerd. With, like, the lo-fi filter on on Instagram. Aesthetic. Aesthetic. (laughs) With sparkles next to it. Oh, wow. I'm I'm a millennial. For sure. So. Um, So. So. My first impression. I was in it. I was into it when the second movie came out. I'd read the first three books at this point. I was so excited. Like, as soon as the first trailer came out for Chamber of Secrets, I remember sitting in the living room on the floor, and I just heard Hedwig's theme come on the TV, and I was like, uh, what? So I turned to the TV, and I, like, dang near ran up to it. Dang near crashed into that TV. I was so excited for Chamber of Secrets to come out. 
It's also my second favorite trailer of all the films is Chamber Secrets. Half Prince has what my favorite trailer of all time. What all goes on in this trailer? It starts off really quick with uh, the theme. It depends because there's obviously multiple trailers, but it starts off really quick with the theme. And it starts off with Dobby and like his warnings and stuff. And there's so many of these cool little like push in shots towards Harry in this film or in the trailer. Mm. Just this trailer was just so good at getting me hype. And so it's crazy is in we were reading this book in my fourth grade class as the movie was about to come out because our teacher was like, hey, guys, we're in chapter books. You're all 10 years old. You're reading chapter books. We're going to read Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets because the movie's about to come out. He was a dope Aww. teacher. One of the best teachers I ever had. Mr. Hendrickson. Uh, yeah. A shout out. He's retired now, but he was amazing. Um, Anyone who tells you to read Harry Potter as a school assignment is okay in my book. And that's what I'm saying. So he was reading the chapters because he said we're going to do a comparison. He's like, I know all of you are going to go see this movie. He's like, I know most of you are going to go see this movie when it comes out. We'll do a compare and contrast, which was awesome. It was a great activity we did after the film. What's crazy is the day the film came out, I had to go see my eye doctor. No. I had to go see my eye doctor. Were your eyes dilated? Yep. No. I was like, who chose this for me? Which parent on what insurance chose to get my eyes dilated <laughs> on the day that this movie premieres? And you know we're going to the first screening that night. Oh, no. So I tell my family, it's like... you have to watch the movie with sunglasses on? No, but everything was blurry. Oh, that's upsetting. I it was like, we're sitting real close, guys. We're sitting right next to the screen <laughs> because this is exactly what you I will force my eyes to focus. I... Still enjoyed. I was actually, the movie had such a bustle going around the town that they actually had news um, teams come out to all the theaters and I was on TV for a few minutes or a few moments that night when they're interviewing all the kids seeing the film. Um, What? Yeah. I was so nervous. Uh, No one should have ever filmed me. Poor childhood memory. (laughs) Which is crazy because like now I work in production. Uh, <laughs> you're just like constantly showing up your childhood self it's fine i i hope so i hope i make that girl proud but uh Healing i was childhood trauma. so so excited for this film i loved every moment of it and i think i saw this was probably like the early point of my life where i started seeing films multiple times in theaters i want to say i saw chamber secrets at least two or three times in theaters before it came out on i think VHS. you said you saw it three times mm-hmm. vhs i think when it came out on vhs uh, I think I, I had that movie on 24-7 the weekend yes. that my mom bought it on VHS for me. Like, I just took over her bedroom and I was like, you guys go go away. I'm going to go watch Leave. this movie on loop for hours. Yeah, um, Yeah, Chamber of Secrets was... I think I loved it so much because this was the first time I was excited to go see it. Because when the first one came out, I think I said this the last time, it was my brother's weekend to choose the movie. So he went and saw Sorcerer's Stone. I was like, eh, whatever. And then I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this is amazing. And then the next weekend when it was my turn, we went and saw Sorcerer's Stone again. And so this was Chamber of Secrets. I was ready. I was hype. I was excited. I was in the universe. I was a dedicated fan. I was obsessed. So yeah, like, I'm was, in this now. Like, I had discussions with friends daily about the books at recess. Aww. We were nerds, man. <laughs> But, um, so yeah, Chamber of Secrets, I think, is my favorite just because of how hype and nostalgic I got for that film. I got, mm-hmm. I, like, I'm so nostalgic for it now because I remember all the memories I had with the film before it came out and after it came out. So, yeah, it is, uh, it's my favorite film. Is it the best film? No. Aww. But it is, it is my no. favorite of all eight. 
It's still an excellent film. It's an excellent oh, one it's to have. Be it's still your one of favorite. the best ones. I, I would be a little bit sus about our friendship if you said that the fifth one was your favorite. It had the potential. No. <laughs> um. No. Fifth. One, I'm rereading uh, it currently too, and it upsets me. Fifth is <laughs> there's so much. Fifth is in the bottom for me. I think my favorites mm-hmm. are two, three, and six are my favorite books and movies. My favorite book. Um, two and six are definitely book, my favorite books. Two and six. My favorite book is three. Three was good. Um, and it's my third favorite. And fourth is probably fourth favorite. No, no, no. I don't know. Three and four might be tied. Book is three and four might be tied. I liked both of those. Those are both very interesting books. I think my second favorite is probably Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire um, was like that such one a twist and turn. Like it was. Mongo. It yeah, it was big, and it wasn't following the normal of oh, Harry's at school. There's something going on, and Voldemort's the mm-hmm. enemy. Which I also that's why right. I really like the third one too. Is that uh. The enemy wasn't necessarily Voldemort in the flesh. So that's why no, I really yeah, we kind of took like kind of a break from that. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that would have been a bit tedious if we got to that point. It was like, oh, it's Voldemort again. Like, just kill him already. <laughs> but yeah, okay, let's continue no, talking about Chamber Secrets. Okay, continue talking about Chamber Secrets. Okay, so I have to make a, like a slight retraction because we were talking about this at the end of the last episode and I said that I wanted to talk about this and I especially wanted to talk about it because there were some plot points that diverged mm-hmm. from like book to movie because mm-hmm. um, you know me, like I'm a booker and I like I want I want the plot to be exactly the way that it is in the book because the way that it is in the book is perfect and there's no other way to tell the plot. <laughs> Um, false but okay i don't that's that is how i feel as as a bookworm as a writer i'm like no there's one plot and i i as now that i've like thought about transition like books to movies and stuff i get that like you have to condense things you have Mm -hmm. to pull like major plot points and think like okay what are the key things that need to happen in this film how do we make that happen um because you only have so much space so i get it now um but Actually, like I said, I kind of have to make a retraction because I was doing, like, a comparison, like, a side-by-side comparison of, like, the main plot points from the book and the main plot points from the movie, and it's, like, almost identical. That's Even why Chamber of Secrets dialogue. is so good. It's it's so good. Like, there's really only, like, two major plot divergences, and one of them I really understand. Was it the Harry's so, Bedroom? Harry's bedroom. You mean when the dormitory gets, like, raided? No, no, no. Because he's supposed to get Dudley's first, second bedroom in the first book, but he gets in the second one. Oh, I mentioned that um, he gets, yeah, he he gets it in a, in the first one, and in the second one, he's just, like, already in it. Um, that's, like, a movie continuity thing that they just, like, ignore. <laughs> right. Um, there's another one, too, that I'll bring up in this that, like, once I say it, uh, you're gonna, you're never gonna be able to see it the same way again. I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Um, but so Harry, um, let's see. This is when Harry's dorm room gets raided and uh, the diary gets taken. Um, and Remind then like me. the next, yeah. So that well, so then the next morning, Harry hears the snake in the. This is in the books. The next morning at breakfast, Harry hears the snake again while they're eating, mm-hmm. and 
he hears the voice and he says something because obviously Ron and Hermione are with him and he's like, you guys don't hear that? And all of a sudden, like, Hermione claps a hand to her forehead and she's like, oh my gosh, I just figured something out. And she goes tearing off to the library without telling them something. Or without telling them what she figured out. I would have been and like, get back here. Tell me what you're thinking. She does this all the time in the books. And Ron even comments, he's like, I hate when, it does, when she does that. It would take her 10 extra seconds to explain to us what she's thinking, but no. <laughs> um, so she goes tearing off to the library. And um, then that's when she gets attacked by the snake. Harry heard it. She runs off to the library. She gets attacked by a snake. And then they come back from Quidditch and they see her in the hospital wing um, when the the match gets canceled. But they don't find the paper in her hand then. They just see her and actually Penelope Clearwater, too, also got petrified because Hermione found her in the library, um, who's Percy's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really get brought up much in the movies. You see them walking together once, Percy and Penelope, on like a like as a background thing. So it's like almost like an Easter egg for book readers. Um, So, but it's because Hermione gets attacked that Harry and Ron finally decide to go and talk to Hagrid. Um, So after Hermione and Penelope's attack, the hospital wing gets closed up and no one's allowed to be in there. Like they're saying that we can't allow anyone in. There's every chance that the heir of Slytherin might come and finish off these poor people. So no one's allowed in here. So the... Hospital wing gets locked up. Um, so after, this is after, like, Hagrid gets carted off to Azkaban and Dumbledore gets suspended. So they're in, Harry and Ron are in Herbology the next day, and they see, like, spiders making a trail for the forest. Um, so that night, they decide to go into the forest. Um, and then everything, like, all of that happens exactly like they did it in the movie. That's all, like, identical. Um, except for the spider spell. Like, the Arania Exame, they made mm-hmm. that up for the movie. Which, I'll allow, because it's cool. Um, and that's when Harry puts two and two together about Myrtle, and then the next day, Harry and Ron are wanting to talk to Moaning Myrtle, but they're all being escorted to their classes by all the teachers so they can't get attacked during the school day. Um, so Harry and Ron give Lockhart the slip, um, and then they run off, but they get caught by McGonagall, and she's like, what are you two doing? You're supposed to be in class. And they're like, uh, and Harry lies and goes, uh, we're going to see Hermione. <laughs> and poor soft-hearted McGonagall is like, oh, I I forgot how, must, how, how hard this must be on the friends of the victims. Of course you can go see her. And so then they have to go. Yeah, so then they have to go up to the hospital wing to, like, make for their cover story. And it's then, when they're, like, pretending to hang out with and talk to Hermione, that they find the paper in her hand. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, a whole extra chunk of things, but I'm like, now, this is, the, like I said, this is the one that I understand the most. Because you have so much extra um, taking it's up that like they cut all that other of... stuff out, they just put it... They, they put it in a different spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They Rather than having them go back to the hospital go back to the hospital wing and talk to Hermione twice, they just mush those two events together. Because it still, it still makes sense with the rest of it. Because, like, in this, like, Harry and Ron are trying to be responsible and, like, let the adults handle it. They're like, no, it's fine. Like, they'll figure it out. And then, like, obviously, like, later, they're like, Lockhart, he's going to go try to defeat the monster in the Chamber of Secrets. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, we have to go tell them what we know. Because <laughs> now they know. So that's the one that I understand the most. Um, the one that I'm sad about is that in the book, um, 
let's see, Harry runs into nearly headless Nick, who is upset that he's not being uh, allowed to join the headless hunt. And he invites Harry to his death day party so that Harry can tell, um, oh, what's that guy's name? I can't remember his name, but tell the other guy who runs the headless hunt, the like, how how fearsome Harry thinks that nearly headless Nick right. is, and so that he can convince him to join the headless hunt, and that is where they meet Moaning Myrtle, not just like Hermione is like, oh, we'll go into this bathroom. No one ever comes in here because of Moaning Myrtle. They actually meet Moaning Myrtle at the Death Day party. Death and Day party is definitely on... the most erasable chapter. I'm just like, well, so it's on their way back from the death day party. So two two crucial things happen. One, they meet Moaning Myrtle, and then on their way back from the death day party is when Mrs. Norris gets attacked, and they find her first. It's why all three of them are in the hallway and not at the feast. And I can but, understand why they cut that, because that is so much extra work to do. There's I mean, so like all the rendering and CGI rendering, of the CGI, ghost, and, and also a lot I'm of actors you gotta pay. Like, why would they want to? I'm all also those wondering, for right? Like, did they? Could they also just like not get John Cleese for the second one? Because is John is? Or I'm sorry, nearly headless Nick's not even in the second one except for him getting found in the hallway, right? No, he speaks to Penelope and Percy. Someone's like, yeah, oh, this is his hello, Miss Clearwater. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's there. Um. Okay, so yeah. Man, so they, they had John Cleese, and they, like, complete... I'm like, you could have had, like, stagehands be the ghosts, man. I wanted the death day party. I, it was uh, a brutal... It was a brutal level in the game to play, and I hated that level, and I wanted some justice. <laughs> it, it's a very erasable chapter, just like a lot it, of chapters I mean, like, in is. later books. Yeah, it, it is, because what they do is they combine it with when Harry does his detention with Lockhart, he's just on his way back from that. So he doesn't, like, hear the snake multiple times. It's the first time that he hears the snake. Then, like, Hermione and Ron are coming back from dinner, and they meet, and that's when they find Mrs. Norris. So, but this is the one that, like, after rereading the books, I'm like, I can't unsee it in the movies, is in the movie... Um, they find Mrs. Norris and Filch comes up and sees that like his cat's been attacked and he just immediately looks at Harry and is like, you've murdered my cat. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why in the world would he think that Harry did it? Like he has, why? He was the closest one to the cat. Not Hermione. Hermione could have murdered the cat. Ron could murder the cat. He never liked Mrs. Norris either. It just in the movie, his immediate accusation of him having murdered the cat or petrified the cat doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, in the books, because that's like that's what that that instance of Phil accusing him is like. If someone it's what makes surrounding my dog, and he was pass away i'm like you killed my dog it's on site i'm fighting you i don't care if you did it or not fighting you. i don't care if you're a 12 year old kid if you killed my my dog it's on site i don't care so, i don't care put me in jail and it's what it's what launches the rest of the school's suspicion of harry like based mm-hmm. on this immediately all the other students are like oh potter killed filch's cat he never liked that cat or whatever and, and the, all the Hufflepuffs are talking about him, and Justin Finch-Fletchley is hiding up in the Hufflepuff common room in that lovely deleted scene. Um, 
so in the books, Harry is coming back from a Quidditch, uh, a Quidditch practice and it was raining. The weather is horrible. He's covered in mud. Filch, is ha- Filch has a cold and he's been scrubbing the hallways because everybody keeps tracking mud in there. And Harry comes in and he's dawdling, talking to nearly headless Nick. And he gets caught by Filch dripping mud all over the hallways. And um, so Filch gets mad at him and he takes him back to his office because he's going to write him up. Um, and then nearly headless Nick causes a distraction with Peeves the poltergeist who we never see in the movies, which is a crying shame. Um, he causes a distraction in the first one. Mm -mm. Nope. Peeves is never included in the movies, which is sad. My only, my only like, who's the bald ghost? The fat fryer. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the Hufflepuff ghost. Got you. Yeah, nope, he does not make it into the movies. Um, so anyway, Nick causes a distraction, and Harry, being just, like, chilling in Filch's office instead of running away like a normal kid, is, like, looking around, and he sees this quick spell letter on Filch's mm-hmm. desk, and he looks at it and reads it, and we find out that, and also something that's never included in the movies is that Filch is what's called a squib. It's like the opposite of a muggle-born. It's somebody who is born to a wizarding family but doesn't have any discernible magic powers. Um, so Filch comes back, realized that Harry read his quick spell letter. He's busy worrying about what Peeves broke. Ooh, which, guess what Peeves breaks? It's, um, goodness, isn't it something to do with one of the, what does he break? It has nothing to do with any breaks, of the statues, right? He, no, he breaks the vanishing cabinet that Draco fixes in the sixth book. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, he breaks it. So, and then it, it gets left on the first floor after it was broken, and then Montague gets shoved, in, gets shoved into it in the fifth book. And then after that, when it, like, transported him, but brokenly, and he had to apparate out, then they put it in the room of requirement because it was broken. So, yeah, that's what Peeves does, is breaks that vanishing cabinet. Um, so, all that, to say, all that to say, that's what makes Filch think that Harry murdered Mrs. Norris, because he knows that Filch is a squib, and so mm. he thinks that, like, it's personal. <laughs> so silly. Yeah. There's, like, yeah, there's, like, so much extra, but, like, once I reread that, I was, like, that makes that scene make a little bit less sense to me if Filch just immediately assuming that Harry did it when they really hadn't had many prior run-ins except for like Filch escorting them to their detention with Hagrid in the first movie so I don't know I would have liked something to flesh out that interaction like a little bit and make that make a little bit more sense I feel like you could always argue that Filch just doesn't like any student and that he always thinks students are up to no good. So Harry's just That's fair. closest so to the So the second cat. he sees a student in front I'm of the cat, he's like, you did it because you're a student cat. and I hate you. That's what I'm saying, though. Beloved cat, Mrs. Norris hung up on a lantern. I'm just saying if okay, someone did that like, to my Okay, but, like, I would animal, also, right? Like, I would also throw hands at that point. I would point. throw like, hands no at that point. It's like, I, every kid, come line up. We're going to fight. The, the older I get, the more, hallway, like, Mr. Filch I become. Fight me. <laughs> fight me. 
I will argue. Muggle dueling style. I will argue that logic if I have to. That's fair. That's fair. I just, I, you know me, I'm a book reader. I love all of the detail that gets fleshed out mm-hmm. in the books that you just, like, you, you don't get. I don't love all you the just, details. Like, That's why I don't like the fifth book. It's like my least favorite <sighs> book. Until, like, the last fourth of that book, then it gets real good. The fourth book is bigger than the fifth one. No, it is not. Yeah, it is. The For real? Fifth I feel like the fourth one is giant. over a thousand pages, or almost a thousand pages. The fourth one is not even close. What? I okay, four, hang five, hang and on. six Every, are all bigger than the fourth book. Everyone and seven. pause while or five, I six, and seven. This. Five, six, and seven Hold are on, all longer. I have them all on my shelf. So, the Goblet of Fire, the paperback of the Goblet of Fire, is seven hundred and thirty-four pages. So you're the correct because version. the 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 American version. <laughs> you're um, the uh, paperback of the Half Blood Prince is like eight forty. So yeah, it is bigger by like a hundred pages. I don't know. I think the fourth one just felt massive to me because after like one, two, and three that are like a few hundred, two is like three hundred some pages, three hundred forty-one pages. Uh, so after that, you go from a 350-page book to a 750-page book, and you're like, whoa, my commitment to this series just upped. So, online, you what did you say? 700-something? 734 is the fourth book. That's so weird. Google says 636. Google is a liar. And I also have, like, an original paperback printing, so... <laughs> I wonder if there's more pages, because... Yeah, it doesn't matter. Fifth is longer. And I was right. Yes, you were. <laughs> you were one hundred percent right. Uh fourth yeah, is like massive. Like I said, the fourth though. one just felt huge because because the first three were so small and Right. I remember getting the fourth one. I was like, What on earth? I'm gonna read all this? And then I read it in a week. Right. You're like, I'm a slow I read, reader. I read it on vacation. We were like in Disney World or something and I was like, No no, I'm gonna sit and read Harry Potter. Bye, y'all have fun. <laughs> Audrey. Okay, you said you had some questions. For very me. stupid questions <laughs> to ask you, okay. based solely on this movie. Okay, beginning okay. of the film. Vernon okay. Dursley is having a whole—he's th- having a whole thing, right? His boss is coming mm-hmm. over with his mm-hmm. wife, and they're all going to have a dinner. And they're gonna have you know eat, drink, whatever, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to be in my bedroom, making no noise and pretending I don't exist. Before Dobby shows up to wreck the whole oh. thing. Do you okay. think Vernon's dinner with his boss was going well? That's my first question. Hmm. So not even that Dobby comes downstairs. Right. Pre-Dobby. Like, just that Dobby was in the house at all. Before any of that started happening, before Dobby came to wreck the whole show, do you think Vernon was actually, like, impressing his boss? Hmm. Man, that's a good one. Okay, so like for normal people, like if this was if this was happening in the real world, I would have been like, nah. But this is like a, this is like a Gilmore Girls type dinner where you're having like your ritzy business partner over and your wife made a a, a fancy three layer pudding, and with with candied tomatoes on top. By the top. way, if anyone wants to know how to make that, there is a YouTube video by Benjing with Babish, and he makes that he makes that a three layer pudding Bless. cake thing. So go watch that. Um, Easter egg. Uh, when Vernon Dursley opens the refrigerator in the start of the fifth 
movie um, when Harry drags Dudley back after being attacked by the Dementors, uh, a pudding decorated the exact mm-hmm. same as the one in the second movie is visible inside the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. It's not the exact... I tell people, I'm like, it's, oh, look, it's the same pudding. And I was like, it's not the exact same pudding. They haven't been holding on to it for three years. Duh. All no, of you. They throw it in the you freezer. You know what it's I'm an saying. anniversary Everyone says that to me and i'm like why would i why would that be what i mean why would that's you so assume that that's what people I mean? are just being stupid all of those people you know who you are you can all take a hike so my husband what do you think? is included in that <laughs> what do i think okay in the realm of jk rowling um i think I'm gonna be honest. I think if Dudley hadn't, sh- or Dudley, I think if Dobby hadn't showed up, that the dinner probably would have gone according to plan, and Vernon would have made an excellent sale of drills. Fair, fair. I um, don't want him to have anything good in life because he's a butt munch, but I do think that it probably would have gone just fine. I think uh, Petunia's pudding would have sealed the deal. Also, in the book, slightly different thing that happens at the end of that. Um, it like it looks like. Vernon might have been able to salvage the evening, like, you know, blaming it on Harry, going like, oh, I'm sorry, he's disturbed, that's why we keep him upstairs, but the, um, I forget what they're, oh, the Masons, when, when all the Masons are still there, Harry's letter from the Ministry of Magic telling him not to do any more magic arrives while the Masons are still there. Mm -hmm. And it swoops in and drops the letter on Mrs. Mason's head and she runs from the house screaming. (laughs) Because Mr. Mason stayed just long enough to tell them that his wife is deathly terrified of birds and did they think that this was some idea of a cruel joke? And then he leaves. Sorry. Yeah, that's also um little deletion of information, like though. the bedroom. Right. <laughs> right. But I'm a pause so Audrey, you're getting in very detailed things. We have, like, 15 minutes I left. I know. I know. This is the... Remember I said, like, oh, the bedroom thing? It's another thing like that, um, where they were there, the Dursleys were there when Harry got his letter saying, hey, you're not supposed to do magic outside of school. Mm-hmm. And in the third movie... Uh, Vernon is like, you're not allowed to do magic outside school. That's how he knows. Because mm-hmm. that letter. You don't know <laughs> That movie is. starts off with Harry doing magic under his blankets. It bothers I me every time. Know. But we'll talk about that, that when we get like to number three. the only thing. We're, no, no, no. Like, we're, we're, talk, we're not talking about like... it right now. Skip it. Skip it. Skip, skip it. Skip. So, skip. next question. Next question. Very, again, <laughs> innocuous. Do you feel that Snape looks oldest in this film compared to all the other ones like the first girl the first scene where he's like berating no ron and harry he looks so old he just looks so old i feel like he doesn't look nearly as old in the next few films he just looks i feel like in that scene in particular he looks his oldest i don't know to answer your question i feel like alan rickman is like ageless <laughs> He's been the, the same age for 40 exactly years. Exactly the same, right? He looks exactly the same in every When you take the movie. wig off, he looks the exact same person in every film. Every Dashing. film. So it's actually, this you say, it's interesting you say something about that wig. Because um, my brother pointed out to me that when they do the flashbacks in the seventh movie, um, and you see that Snape was colluding with Dumbledore, that he really was a good guy the whole time, and you see him at varying points throughout Harry's tenure at Hogwarts, um, they 
like continuity department knocked it out of the park. They style his wig differently in each scene according to what it looked like in that movie. Because they're getting paid for something. They got to get it right. Like, they got paid for... Like, got paid for extra somethings that time. Like, mm-hmm. literally, like, the, because there's movies where, like, his layers are kind of, like, flipped a little bit more out. There's movies where, like, his layers are a little bit choppier. Like, maybe he gave himself, like, a home hack job cutting his hair. <laughs> or, <laughs> like, magic. Yeah, okay. Maybe he's better at potioneering than haircuts. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone. I will, I will. Leave him alone. All right, next question. Very again. Okay, next question. Filch, how do you feel about Filch not getting a lot of screen time after this film? I guess I didn't really think about it. Wonder if he was busy doing something. Parts of that bother he's, me, but then parts of it I'm like, there's so much relief. Go- he is, which I don't really like all the time. No, I don't always I don't like either. like I can understand like when comedy is done well in the right moments, I like it. I don't ever like when comedy is cutting serious moments unless it's like something mm-hmm. really heavy that needs to be cut. But like there's so many times like Marvel does it all the time and I hate it. As much as really? I love Marvel like the Drax, I know you don't like Drax. I don't like the way Drax is used as the comedy relief all the time. Awkward comedic relief, yeah. Sometimes it works, I know what sometimes you mean. it doesn't. An, but I don't like when an like, excellent it's always example, cut like that. An excellent example is in the fourth movie um, when Harry is like, it's all serious. He's getting ready to go into a task. And then Filch has this continuous gag where he goes to fire the cannon and he can never do it in mm-hmm. time. That one I don't mind um, as much, but like he has no speaking roles. He has none. I remember being so bothered by that, actually. Um, it's very British. Like, that's very British humor. Mm-hmm. Um, which, after after the first three movies, they did get British directors, I believe. Um, so, like, th- it makes sense that they would shift the tone of some of the comedy. But I remember watching it and just being so taken out of it. Because, like, that was Filch's whole shtick. The whole movie was he was just, like, dry humor British comedic relief. That's like, what he is not, the rest of the say- films. I agree. I agree. And, like, not to say that I, like, absolutely love Filch or anything, but, like, he is his own character and he does serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, he really doesn't get done justice as much after the second movie. Which, That's an interesting catch. What made you clue into that? Because he has has so many more speaking lines, especially the first one. Especially the first one. And then he, he, he has a role in the disparity in the second one because of his cat. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't really get much out of him going forward. I always realize that, like, you know, when I watch the first two, I appreciate Filch for his kind of scary nature and kind of being like the, the secondary antagonist along Snape for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And then after that, you don't get that anymore. Which I can understand Filch getting put on the back burner because you continue to get all these extra characters. Like the third one, we're getting a lot of new characters and a lot of important a lot new, of characters. new characters. So I can yeah. understand Filch kind of taking the back burner, but and I'm glad they don't cut him out altogether. Like they could, like they could have. I'm glad they keep him in for something, but I would have still liked him to be a little bit of that like fear in the back of their heads when they're out past no no their curfew and they could get caught. Mm hmm. Yeah. Because that's, like, always the thing, especially when you're playing the games, you have to avoid Filch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, you do. 
Yeah, filch and his lantern. If that, if like the 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 V of his lantern beam lands on you, you guys start that whole level all over, man. Mm, don't get me started. So yeah, <laughs> that was uh that was my question for you. Is like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Okay, so um, I have a couple questions for you. What were some of the things about production that you noticed for this movie? Lighting. Lighting. Of course, you noticed lighting. I love that. That's like not even your favorite thing to do, but it's the best thing that you do. The lighting. It's like your is annoying so... superpower odd like the lighting is like i I have to remind myself this is you know films of years 2002 yeah 2002 and the lighting (laughs) at times i really like and it makes it edgier and i know that chris columbus did a lot more handheld uh filming with this movie which is awesome there's actually actually one of my favorite scenes and it's like three seconds it's so short is he does like a handheld shot of um, when Harry and Ron are looking down in the basilisk chamber and they see all those like dead rat bones. I don't know why, but mm. that shot is the most like the most unique shot in the whole film. I wish we'd seen a little bit more of the handheld kind of shakiness. I do like that he does more handheld because it's a little more intimate and it makes things a little less streamlined isn't the word I want, but it's the word I'm going to use. But, you know, it, it, staged, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, he does a lot more, like, push-ins and close-ups, and I love that, too. Like, mm. the scene where um, Harry is laying in the bed and Dobby's about to appear. He, like, goes around these beds and he pushes it in right into Dan's face, and it's such a great shot. And you get in their space. Oh, oh love that, that shot. quick push-in mm-hmm. of, like, Dobby's perspective where he goes, hello. Mm-hmm. I love that shot. But yeah, lighting in this film was really crazy. Uh, you have a lot of hot lights, like really like spotlighty lights at points where I'm like, I don't know why they would have that light. Hmm. Um, for example, and I, I I don't know if this was on purpose or they didn't think about it or if there's a, they would argue around it. But when Dobby is in Harry's room, there's a harsh light on Harry. There, You can see his shadow behind him, but you don't see Dobby's shadow. Well, so you can argue, right? But you could argue. He's a tennis ball. You can make. He is a tennis ball. Dan Dan is a great actor alongside a tennis ball. But you could argue that, you know, you could argue that Dobby's shadow is just supposed to be on Harry's face, but you don't see the shadow on Harry's face, you know? Like his shadow's blocking Dobby's Mm. shadow. But I, uh, as far as continuity goes, I feel like there should have been a shadow there for Dobby. Um, But you can't really tell where the lighting is kind of coming from. So I, that's one of them where I'm like, the lighting is kind of weird um, in that scene. They did like that old Western thing where they like lit an oil lamp and all of a sudden the whole room lights up. Yeah. Good grief. Yes. It's like that because he has like one little bedside table lamp lighting his whole room at that point, but it's completely brightened and warm. But yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the crazy thing is like, that's something too in this film is like they go back and forth between like warm lighting which obviously you know you're gonna have warm lighting because hogwarts is home for a lot of people but you also have a lot Mm -hmm. of harsh lighting it too like again this is me this is me nitpicking this isn't necessarily me saying it's good or bad it's just what i notice is a lot of harsh lights in places where i don't understand them and i don't understand the motivation for them but i can understand like in the chamber of secrets yeah yes like, where's that, light coming from? where's that light coming from? Well, here's the thing, though. It's green, though. I'm gonna let it slide because everything's green and the lighting is green and it makes sense. But there's gotta be light. Well, the thing is, they fly out of the chamber up into the night, so you can argue that the light is coming from above from the sky. 
Um, so in the book, they just fly straight up back the same like slide that they like the tunnel slide. Don't that question they fell it, out Audrey. If I don't question it, every time I watch bathroom. this film, every time I watch this film, like where the heck I'm are like, they flying? Where up is from? this where fisher <laughs> on the Hogwarts ground? That's what and I'm how saying. Has no one fallen in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying because I'm like every time I remember being every a kid time and watching that and going film, where are they flying out of I tell myself to stop asking that question every time I see it I'm like stop Sheree this is too much <laughs> but the lighting I'll give it away I'll be like you know what whatever understandable but yeah the lighting is the thing I I've, it's what I paid attention the most when watching this film because sometimes it was great sometimes I didn't understand it but I'm like also like I'm not a director and I'm not you know I don't light stuff and I can't Someday. I I don't ever want to. I, no, don't you dare. Direct. Yes. You don't want to light, but you. But you're so good at lighting, though. Like I, I want you to do the lighting for when my my book eventually no. becomes production. No, no. <laughs> I will tell people if it looks good or not, but I do not want to do it myself. Okay, uh, you can be my lighting supervisor. There, I'll do that. I can do that for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the lighting motivation for some some shots. I thought was odd. Like sometimes it's just very, very harsh lighting, like spotlighty. And sometimes it's very soft. It kind of just depended on where they were. And I know you have to be like, again, this is so dumb. And I'm going to like, there, there's a lighting motivation. It's not dumb. Hear me out though. This one, a really good one was when Harry, Ron, Hermione, and uh, Hagrid are in his hut after, you know, when Ron is vomiting all these slugs there's this yeah. beautiful light that flows over his beard that looks just like sunlight. It looks beautiful. And then there are other Ooh. lights where it's supposed to be moonlight. I'm like, that's just a light. But you have to have just the light. But you have to have light for moon. It's gonna be white, it's gonna be blue. You see different colors of moonlight and different stuff. It's it's it is what it is. Lighting was the thing I noticed okay. the most in this film. Um oh, um, I feel like I have to say this for all of us uh, millennials who grew up on this, uh, who are who grew up on Potter Puppet Pals. <laughs> um, and and here's the thing: I don't I don't mean the actual puppets. I mean the original animated Potter Puppet Pals. Oh, I don't okay? know what you're talking about then. I, I just remember the puppets. No, so there before the physical puppets, there was. There was computer animated, like, it was, like, flat. It was 2D. But there were 2D puppet animations of Potter Puppet Pals. That's what came first. I'll have to send them to you so you can see. And in one of them, there's this one where, and this is, like, old school YouTube. So, like, I don't even know if you can do it anymore. There's one where, like, the Snape puppet curses the Ron puppet. And if you pause the video and then, um, like pan through the curse uh the little squiggles on the screen all of a sudden turn into a star if you leave it paused and click on the star there's a cutscene that goes to ron it's like a hidden youtube video within a youtube video and if you click on it it goes to ron going follow the butterflies follow the butterflies what on earth <laughs> This is like some hidden YouTube witchcraft and I just, my family and I did this over and over and over again because I had to bring it up because this movie is where Ron says follow the butterflies. <laughs> it is it. Okay, I have another innocuous Everyone question. Everyone go look that up. I have an innocuous question for oh, you. Oh, okay, I had one for you, but go ahead. If you were to recast Gilderoy Lockhart, who would you cast him in this day and age? No one. Kenneth Branagh is amazing. Okay, uh, hear me out though. <laughs> hear me out. Andrew Garfield. Ooh, okay. 
Oh, as I was watching this film, I was like, Andrew fun. Garfield will be amazing as Gilderoy Lockhart. I'm just saying it now, universe. I want the credit if y'all ever remake this, and it's just Andrew for Garfield. the show. Make it Andrew Garfield. That is interesting. He's got the charisma. That would be fun. He's got the he looks. does have the charisma. Oh, that would be fun. Or make him Remus Lupin. I'll take either. He would also be an excellent Lupin. He really would. Man, that's such a random fan cast. I absolutely love it. It came to me as I was watching the film. I was like, ugh, Andrew Garfield would be amazing. I just desperately want Adam Driver to play Snape in the TV show. I, I, I need that. Because it would be perfect. I've seen him. Yeah, he's fan casted everywhere. Everywhere. Because he's like, he's the only answer. He's mm-hmm. the only Heck, he looks like young Snape, okay? Shave his face, he's young Snape. That's it. Something that made me laugh. This is, I think this is my last comment. Um, <laughs> I started cracking up. Again, I've not watched the movie in years. But at the end, Voldemort's like, oh, Harry, you got like a minute to live. <laughs> he's like laughing at him, dang near. He's just rubbing it in his face. And Harry's like, bet. I got a whole minute to live. Let me stab this diary. I <laughs> was cracking up. So he was like, oh, t- don't even worry about it. All I need is a minute. Shh, you're dead. You're dead. Right? Don't laugh at my face. Um, w- My brother and I were just talking about this, too, because we were trying to, like, see if the destruction of the horcrux was continuous from two to six seven when do we see the next horcrux destroyed six oh no seven none none get destroyed until no 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 technically dumbledore destroys the ring but we don't see that right so two but we don't see it yeah so the next one is until the last books movies Right. Um, yeah, so while well, we were talking about that, we were talking about if the destruction of the Horcrux is kind of continuous. And I and I feel like it is. Um, like, it doesn't just go poof. Um, it, it takes some time to destroy. I don't know. My brother has an argument against this because he's, like, he has reread these, like, five times within the past year because he just, like, leaves the audiobooks on in the background while he does stuff and started noticing some like little inconsistencies and he'll text me and he'll bring them up to me. And I'm like, you leave my childhood alone and shut your mouth. There's always inconsistencies though. Even Jake Rowling herself was like, yeah, there's inconsistencies in my books. Like, right. But they're like, it's, I don't know. It's like, they're little things. Um, mm-hmm. Like I ran across one today and, and Percy in the book takes five points away from Gryffindor when he finds Harry and Ron trying to get into a girl's bathroom. Um, but in the fifth book, they say that prefects can't dock house points. They can only give detentions. Right. So, but it's you know. like, it's that. Like, that is the most minor inconsistency. When it comes to the big stuff, I'm like, it tracks, It can, it's consistent. I don't know if she had come up with the word horcrux yet by the second one, but like, it's fine. It's all the same right. thing. I'll allow it. Leave my childhood alone. Um, I did have one more question for you before we wrap. What was your favorite effect from this one? Because I feel like the second movie um, had a lot more special effects in it, had a lot more CGI. Um, so what was your favorite one from this movie? Or if you don't have a favorite, which one would you have changed? 
As, well, okay, so the flying cord angula is actually mostly practical, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you said special effects, so I'm going to say, honestly, the yeah. snake. Okay, all the CGI things, the snake, the bird, and, the, and Dobby look so good. Right? They, they still, still hold look up. so like, good. They, like, they I was trying. They start to look waxy. I was trying to nitpick watching Dobby. I'm like, no, Dobby looks good. Dobby looks good. Yeah, they do look waxy. You can tell the moments that are CGI. Like 20 years later. (laughs) Right. But like even the snake, sometimes I can tell when it's CGI and sometimes I can tell when it's, you know, a rigged little snake head. Um, Right. But honestly, Phoenix, especially the death and like the death and rebirth of Fox looks great. Um, Well, that's animatronic. You Correct. But him burning would be an Mm. effect. I think. Right, yes. They didn't they didn't light the animatronic on fire but, um, because in effect. I'm going to say Dobby Richard is Harris. honestly Dobby's your favorite. Okay. He's that's my favorite fair. effect. He looks amazing. He looks good. Dobby he, does not he, get and, enough justice and, as a character. And they also do him in all different lightings. They don't just do him in low light. They do him in highlights too. Like he's in the kitchen, he snaps his finger and gives Harry that look. He's like, "Haha, got you. You can't go back to school." Mm-hmm. He's and he in goes and full dusts daylight off. of yeah, he's in full daylight of the Hogwarts hallway when, he looks so good. Um, yeah, when Lucius is gonna curse him when he frees him. Which also, for those of you who didn't know, um, it sounds like Lucius is going to do Avada Kedavra and mm-hmm. kill Harry at the end of the movie. Um, as a little like Easter egg, um, Jason Isaacs was just told to like make up a spell. And that's what he went with. And lo and behold, that later is the killing spell. He literally was just making something up on the spot. Which we didn't even talk about all of the lines in this movie that were ad-libbed. Well, the two best ones are, well, what is it? I didn't know you could read. Yeah, I didn't know you could read. Yeah, uh, yeah. Draco Malfoy's line of, I didn't know you could read, is (laughs) ad-libbed. That one and the Harry's, uh, don't worry, I will be. Daniel Radcliffe. All I'm saying is if I was J.K. Rowling and I hadn't finished my books yet and I heard Dan Ratcliffe say that line, I was like, I, immediately he's living the rest of the books. Because, like, what an right? amazing line to just spout an ad. Right? Just, and, and Jason Isaacs, he's like, he said he just, like, kind of looked at Dan for a second when he said that line just in awe. And he's like, this little, like, 12, 13, 13-year-old kid just said this. Like, what? Right? What? I would have been in awe. Just leaving everyone in shock. He is Harry Potter. Without question. What's your favorite line? <sighs> One last question. What's your favorite line? My favorite line? Oh, man, dude. My favorite line? Or favorite scene? Um, my favorite line or favorite scene. Yeah, I don't know if I could do favorite line. Um, My favorite scene? You mean it's not scene? scared Potter you wish? Man, that got the people going. <laughs> scared Potter. Potter. Um... <laughs> I think my favorite scene is is actually this really touching one that's where when Ron's puking up slugs and um and Harry and Hermione are in Hagrid's hut and Hermione's just been called a mudblood and Bruh, there's just this really oh she's so good and 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 just their interaction with Hagrid where he he consoles her, justifies her being upset about it, and says, you know, don't you think on it, Hermione. Mm-hmm. Just, mm, 
my heart every time. It just really, really reminds you. Hagrid doesn't get a whole lot in this one. He gets a little bit because, um, because he gets confronted about the whole Chamber of Secrets thing. But like, there's just that really heartwarming scene with him mm-hmm. that I absolutely loved. Actually, so one of my, my favorite, favorite scenes, scenes also has Hagrid in it. Um, I do like, <sighs> actually, both of my favorite scenes have Hagrid in them. I love the confrontation in Hagrid's hut with uh, Hagrid, Lucius, Minister, and Dumbledore. Oh, and Fudge. Love yeah. that. And I cool love that house. Dumbledore gives Ron and Harry that look. And they're like, oh my god, wait, what? He can see us? I always right? love that moment. But, um... Chamber Secrets, the very end when Hagrid's when Hagrid comes back, um, that scene gets me every time. It, it every single time makes me tear up. The music, the sweeping music mm. with everyone cheering Hagrid, and then the the camera comes out and pans across the castle. <laughs> Just heartwarming. It's so like good. it seems like those are like that's why we rewatch these movies. Yeah. That's why. Like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now. I think that shot is my mm, favorite. Me just, too. It's such a beautiful... It ends on that note. It's the sweeping shot. It's the right? castle. Right, you have the it's Harry's Wondrous World theme playing mm-hmm. in the background. I just... <sighs> that There's song gets me every time. Every time I start bumping Right? John Williams. Knocking it out of the park. Cringe. As always. Also, it's funny. This is a side note. My nephew and I, we were listening to movie scores and guessing... Like what the movie went to, and he, I was like, "That's John Williams," mm. and then he's like, "He's like, he's like, I can't hear unhear it now, Aunt Shree. It's John Williams every time." I was like, "I don't know what the movie is. every time." He's like, "Now I know." What I don't know, to but you can always tell a John, John Williams, Williams score, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Always. It's like me and all of like the Disney sca- Disney score soundtracks. I'm like, I know Alan Menken scored this Disney. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Audrey, that's all uh... I got. I mean, I could Sweet. talk endlessly right. about Chamber There's Secrets. so much more we could have talked about. Like, let's be honest. It's okay. We'll save this for, like, when this podcast eventually blows up. I'm just speaking it into existence. And then we'll have to do Chamber of Secrets again. I'm not unhappy about And we'll that. still have more to talk about. Okay. Um, so that concludes today's episode. Um, again, we did more of a discussion format today. You'll understand you know, just why we love this movie so much. Perfect for spooky season. What's better than Which witchcraft and flying cars and giant spiders? Um, next week, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite movies, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, which is currently streaming on Hulu. So make sure to be back here next Friday to tune in. Roll credits. Cinematic Pulse is edited and produced by Cherie Jackson. The episodes and theme are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find Cinematic Pulse on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please consider supporting us by becoming a member of our Patreon, where you can get access to show notes, vote on our upcoming episodes, and get exclusive downloads of our episode art. Thank you so much for listening, because we just checked your Cinematic Pulse.